0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Empowering Equality uh, with the IWSCC or Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada and my name is Deidre Guy and I am the president. Um, So if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, we do include ASL interpretation that is sponsored by RBC Royal Bank and supplied by Maple Communications Canada. Uh, I want to get right to it. I want to just get to know a little bit more about this person, Cam Wells. Um, So someone that we met um, Uh, through another person that uh, we've actually done a podcast with as well Um, and so he recommended that we connect Cam Wells and IWSCC and so we've had some great conversations we wanted to get one of them recorded so we'll get right to it Cam thank you so much for being here
1: it's my absolute pleasure I'm always happy to do whatever I can to uh, support the disability community
0: Yes, I, I'm totally getting that every time we talk, a little bit more having an understanding of just what uh, level of commitment that you have in the community. But I want to hear more about you. Um, I want to know what you do, of course, but I'd like to hear, too, Who who is Cam Wells? And, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I was uh, born on the planet Krypton, but my parents <laughs> knew it was doomed. So I was sent out, but
0: yeah. uh, seriously... Uh,
1: I would label myself mostly an advocate. Uh, I graduated college four times, and the first time was uh, really the big one for me. As I was studying journalism, I I saw this imbalance in the way disability stories were told. It was either really inspirational or really bitter. I've been doing my uh, radio show, Handy Link, for 15 years now, and it's been honored both locally and nationally. I've interviewed everyone from former Lieutenant Governor David Onley to uh, one of the guys from Breaking Bad. Oh. Everyone's got a unique story to share. But the truth is, the best stuff doesn't come from those who talk in sound bites. It doesn't come from a politician who gives the same speech five times a day. It comes from the mom and pop spending all night looking for information to help cure their daughter. Or to oh. Make the world a little bit better. And I. I think it's my personal, uh, my honor to share these stories. I mean, I'm not, uh, <laughs> not the world's greatest, uh, authority on anything, mind you, but I am a stroke survivor who's been through a lot, uh, childhood bullying, being told he'd never finished school, all that sort of stuff, but I'm the guy who hopes that, uh, somebody else doesn't have to go through it, hearing that the world is bigger than we think it is.
0: Wow, uh, that's fantastic. Um, There's so much to unpack there. And and I know with the questions that we're going through, our official questions, uh, that we are going to unpack quite a bit of it. I'd like to know just to start when you're not advocating and when you're not, um, you know, on the radio, doing your work, having your conversations uh, with folks. Uh, surrounding disability and accessibility. What do you like to do just on that time when it's just Cam? What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? Uh, I mean, sci-fi clearly is, is something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm a bit of a sci-fi geek myself, so I'm right there with you.
1: Good. Well, honestly, uh, my other job, I work in a disability sports office, uh, which I've been tied to for over 15 years. They gave me my first scholarship. I. I work out, I collect lost rock and roll, uh, I spend time with friends, video games, TV, you know, life, most yeah. Sunday school teacher, and uh, oh, great. as a shout out to one of my favorite stories, uh, I'm a bit of an amateur comedian, so this is something I probably should share. The daughter of a very, very dear friend of mine, who I teach Sunday school to, walks up to me with a very serious look on her face, and she goes, Are you serious? I just look at her. I go, very rarely. <laughs> you little thing. Little thing.
0: <laughs> That's funny. But, Did yeah, you say I, Lost Rock and Roll?
1: Yes. I, I collect stuff by uh, bands that everyone thinks are a one-shot wonder. But okay. uh, if you dig deep enough, you'll find other stuff yeah this uh group the immediate family which is uh studio musicians who work with like james taylor and Warren even they sort of split off on their own and they've done some incredible stuff and i love knowing the music that uh that is available i mean it was actually a song was in a bit of a cult tv show i spent over 20 years looking for this and finally i had to contact uh the guy who originally wrote it and he didn't remember it. Fortunately, his wife did. <laughs> my, mom helped me talented. With my mom, of course, but uh, well, my whole family was committed to finding that song. <laughs> but uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago, we finally tracked it down.
0: And, wow. Uh, and so, yeah. how long did you say you've been looking for it? 20 years?
1: Over 20 years.
0: Well, what was the show?
1: It was a show called Brimstone. It didn't last very long. It was uh, about a cop who ended up in hell for uh, a mistake he had made and was okay. offered a chance at redemption. I sort of uh, I like sci-fi stuff. I like fantasy stuff. So
0: yeah. Fun. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, did you have like a We Found the Song party after all those years, I would it, think?
1: It was kind of a shock. I mean uh, – you write somebody who has recorded music in in Hollywood for TV. You don't expect they're actually going to get back to you. You don't expect that they're going to send you what you're looking for. This guy was uh, who's real cool about that.
0: Well, wow, that's that's really great. Um, so now you know. Now you're going to have to find something new to be hunting for that, that uh, unicorn or or Nessie Loch Ness monster of music.
1: Wow. Well. I'm always hunting for a decent relationship, but that one is, uh, <laughs> that's my white whale, so to speak.
0: <laughs> so you talked about the show that you hosted on CJAM 99.1 Detroit and Windsor. It's called Handy Link. Uh, I'd love to hear more about the show. How did it start? Uh, you talked a little bit about what it's usually about, but I'd love to hear more because I know that you've got uh, very cool guests coming up uh, and have had, as you said, some, some pretty impressive guests in the past. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's my 15th year doing the show. Uh, at the time, I was uh, at St. Clair College, I was uh, studying journalism, and the program director then, Cassandra Caverhill was her name, she came in and asked a group of students if they wanted to do a field placement there. Well, I couldn't, because uh, I was doing public relations for a disability group that I now work for as well. Uh, and. After I graduated, I went to her and uh, I said, "I want to keep up my skills. I want to do some good in the community." So, I pitched a show, and I will marry the woman who can get the reference to where I got the name of it. Okay. Actually, it's an it's an homage to an old sci-fi series, Quantum Leap, which they recently brought back. There was I love a computer terminal in it uh, called a Handlink, and when they asked me for a show title. I, I only had like three-eighths of a second to think about it. uh, (laughs)
0: That's impressive.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, the show is, it's part of who I am. I always say, I've actually designed a disabilities course as well uh, in presenting intermittently. And one of the slides in it is a saying I use, disability is not a hat. It's not something you take off at night, just when you're out of the public eye, it's it's not something you use to garner sympathy. It's one factor in your life. It's, uh, it's just a different way of thinking if you really look at it. Yeah, you can't do it this way, but can you do it that way sort of thing.
0: And so that led you to the show. And, and so tell us, I mean, how often will we find you on that station? Is it a particular time of day? I'm on
1: uh, Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. However, uh, it's not just the show by itself. It's not in a bubble. It's carried by several stations in the National Campus and Community Radio Association, the Disability Channel, TV Channel. And as a result of it, I've served on a National Radio Accessibility Advisory Committee. And within the MCRA, we actually... We authored a book on uh, radio accessibility, not just physical spaces, but things like uh, profiles of people involved and language that should and should not be used. And Recently, uh, I worked on, as part of a team making updates to that. It was issued to, I believe, every station in our union. For better or worse, this resource exists and people can learn more about accessibility.
0: Well, that's great to know. I didn't realize such a thing existed, so we'll have to get further information on that and and post it uh, on our YouTube channel and on our website. Um, So tell me about some of the people that you've interviewed as part of the show, and maybe, maybe your favorite and then maybe your least favorite. Those are always good stories.
1: Well, least favorite's easy. Favorite is a matter of interpretation. My least favorite comes from the very early days of the show, and this is not something I would ever do again, mind you. Um <laughs> was interviewing an ex-pro wrestler who uh, kind of forgot the question mid-sentence. And, okay. Well, that was pretty embarrassing <laughs> for all concerned. And <laughs> since then, my standard kind of became, if it's better than that, I I see what I can do with it. I, I go with <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, I mean... One thing that was really, really super cool for me, uh, years ago, just after I had the stroke I had as a child, uh, I was doing a lot of rehab. I was in a lot of pain and I, I loved the nineties cartoon X-Men totally loved that show because it was my, my Island, my half hour out of the week that I wasn't thinking about the pain that I was in. And, uh, since I've been doing the show, I actually did some work with Easter Seals, who uh, their head, uh, at least the local head, was bringing two of the voice actors from that show to town. So uh, after 27 years, I was able to meet these two and get autographs, photos done with them and say, your show saved my life. I had a chance to uh-huh. say thanks. That was it. Wow. Was a big moment for me.
0: I bet. Was that, and how long ago was that? It's
1: been about two years now.
0: Okay. Have you maintained a relationship, stayed in touch at all? I guess it might be difficult with folks like
1: that. Yeah, I did leave them with my contact information, but uh, yeah, there were also a couple of cast members of Corner Gas there who were really very nice to me. I hadn't seen their show at that point, but subsequently uh, I've developed a special fondness for it, and they were just remarkable people. I mean... Everybody is affected by disability. You go back in every family, you'll find somebody, whether it was known at the time or not. Uh And when you look at things like what's coming up, the expanded disability benefits, uh, which hopefully uh, will actually do something to serve their people, you got to remember this is planning for our future. This is recognizing that sooner or later, everyone's going to need a little support. Everyone's going to need a little help.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and, and when you look at things for those of us getting a little older, and we start to use hearing assistance devices, or even just glasses, uh, you know, it, those are types of disabilities as well. And I think that people don't, don't really look at it that way. You know, they have this concept of what disabled looks like, and, and that's where, where it lives for them. And they don't, they don't realize that it is a very personal thing and something that should be included in every conversation surrounding humans.
1: See, that's the big problem right there. People think of disability as one concept. It Uh isn't. It's about 5 million. I mean, what I did with my course design, first chapter is definitions of disability. I used an iceberg analogy. It's a lot like the substance of the universe I I alluded to. It's 10% what we would be able to see and process, and 90% what we could never understand, what's Uh not known to us. If you look at the statistics, they say 20% of the human race has a disability of some sort. You're not factoring in people whose conditions haven't yet been classified, Mm -hmm. lack of access to medical technology, and those who are just so stubborn, they would not admit they have a disability no matter what you do.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You look at that, the statistic is probably a lot bigger than that. I mean... I'm completely terrible at math.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, It's painful too to think about how someone would rather go through not getting assistance and support than identifying as disabled. I mean, the, the stigma around those of us with disabilities is so high that people would rather not be seen as disabled even though they could, you know, could have access to things that would make their life so much easier. It's uh, frustrating.
1: It's not something to necessarily uh, have sympathy for. This is a very personal story I'm about to share, and this is something that will always be with me. I was in a relationship once, and uh, without my consent, the woman involved tried to faith heal my disability out of me, leaving Mm -hmm. me with the impression nothing says I love you quite like trying to change one of the fundamental pieces of who and what you are. I'm happy in my life. I oh. do good work. I have a job, actually two. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a family Samuel. who loves me. I've got friends. I've got a decent quality of life. It is not something to be pitied for. Yeah. But if you look at the other side of the spectrum, I, I knew someone once who would blame his disability for everything. Oh. I mean everything. He can't get a job. There's nobody more qualified. It must be his disability. You can't get a date. It's not that the personalities class. It must be his disability. I can't look at the world that way. Oh. I can't see it as a limitation. It is an innovation if it is anything. I mean, people yes. look at it as a weakness. They look at it from the first glance of you can't do this. Maybe I can't do it that way, but who's to say I can't carve my own trail?
0: Yeah. And there's that innovation that that is so beneficial in so many aspects of life. And that just is a daily thing for folks with disabilities. Um, And in fact, that's what we talk about too. Our purchasing organizations, the benefit of working with disabled entrepreneurs, because they're so used to innovating on a regular basis, so used to barriers uh, if something happens in business, it's just automatic. It's just learned behavior. We're going to figure out a way around this barrier. We're going to innovate. We're going to do better. Uh, and I think that that, you know, I could rant all day on that one, uh, but that really goes a long way towards uh, creating a business and, and a business, a psyche that is really beneficial to large corporate uh, supply chains, as well as a smaller supply chain. So, um, I'm loving this conversation. We're nowhere near any of the questions (laughs) that that I have on my list, but uh, I don't care. I'm fine with that. But I did want to, I mean, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, what, like, first of all, you have this career, I guess, in broadcasting, uh, and I want to know what led you, like, were you already doing work in radio when you pitched the show, or was it a whole new thing to you that you just thought, this needs to be done and and I want to get it done? What, What brought you there?
1: Originally, uh, I was actually a print journalist. I mean, started back in high school. I uh, did a field placement with the Lakeshore News, and I studied print and new media at St. Clair, as I mentioned. But the thing is, I started the show initially just thinking I wanted to keep my skills up, you know, uh, just keep my finger on the pulse wow. of journalism. I didn't realize that uh, I'd be opening up to this whole new world and seeing things from a whole new standpoint. And when you mention the innovation factor, people think a person with a disability can't do this, that, or the other. I've interviewed blind martial artists, mm-hmm. blind target shooters, a woman who is both deaf and blind and did the CN Tower Edge Walk. Oh, wow. And these are the things people figure out a way to do. Yeah. They do it because they want to do it. But that being said, there's another slide in my course that I developed uh, called It's called breakfast. person with a disability gets out of bed. They uh, they make toast. That is not per se inspirational. That is per se breakfast. It is called eating. And I think a lot of people do it, if I'm not mistaken.
0: (laughs) I know. We talk about that all the time, again, with our purchasing organizations that are looking to do things, events and things in support of the disability community. I'm always like, okay, you need to... um, get away from that inspiration porn mentality and just, you know, talk about humans as humans who happen to be living with a disability. It's yeah, it's, and then we have folks with disabilities that have done some really amazing things. You know, like I look at Mike Shorman and we talk about the work that he's done. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's he's paddleboarded across all five great lakes back in 2022 uh, with a, a recently acquired disability. Well, that's a thing that a lot of, you know, non-disabled folks are, have tried to and are wanting to continue and complete. And, and it's taken them years and years to do that all in one summer. He has a documentary. I, I watched it and thought, Gosh, he's, we just see him exhausted getting off the water, and now he has five days to recover and go do it again, 40-some hours paddleboarding across the lake. So, I mean, that is inspirational, but you're right. Just toast and breakfast is just breakfast. I,
1: I hate to bring this up, but, uh, well, this is something I feel very strongly about. It's an ongoing project. Uh, I'm a nominee for Canada's Disability Hall of Fame. I haven't mm-hmm. gotten it as yet, but I did recently working with one of the judges pitch a new category based on advocacy in the disability community. And I personally was shocked that they didn't have that. What's the first thing you think of when you think of disabilities? You think of advocacy. Think of people who are trying to change the world. I sent a somewhat scathing report recognizing some of the political bias in the fact that uh, they had inducted certain people... But uh yeah I'm hoping to get this new category actually pushed through it's up for discussion it's up for consideration but if you're going to celebrate disabilities culture celebrate disabilities culture you're uh-huh. not there to service anyone's political agenda you're there to uh-huh. service your people and uh-huh. I'm sorry to go off on that tirade for you but that is a, sort of a mini thing I'm working on but
0: means yeah, a lot sounds- to me yeah I, I mean, every time we talk, there's another thing that you're doing that I had no idea about, and here's a prime example of it. Can you share a little bit of the work that you do outside the radio show? You said you work in the as a disability advocate on your, your yeah, day gig. Yeah, work,
1: I work uh, in the disability sports office for right. the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, okay. basically a sporting organization, but... Uh, it's uh, one that I feel very strongly about because years ago, in a bad, bad time in my life, they gave me a scholarship, actually, for my journalism studies. And, uh, well, I returned the favor by doing public relations for them. And ultimately, okay. uh, I now work in the office, and helping out with basically whatever needs helping out with.
0: Great. Right. we lots of hats uh, there.
1: Disabilities is kind of... Uh, it's integral to my world. I mean, I don't just go home at night and say, yeah, I'm not going to be a disabilities person right now. Somebody comes to me in the middle of the night and they say, I want to talk. I want to share my story. My door is open. Uh-huh. Away from uh, my work. I'm just I'm just Cam. Uh, just a guy uh, loving his family, doing his job. Telling a bad joke or two, uh, hoping (laughs) to find that right girl, but uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of (laughs) me.
0: Well, maybe our empowering equality will turn into some kind of matchmaking show. You never know. We'll we'll put it out there. We'll just Mm -hmm. add that as one of the clips that we post on all of our social media. That you're looking for, hoping to find the right girl. We'll see what see what we can do for you. Um, So when it comes to the work that you do with the radio show for example is there work there that is very much different for you than it would be for someone who's isn't living with a disability
1: yeah because uh you can't really speak to it unless you have a firm foundation like i have a colleague who uh he did a somewhat disability based show very different than mine but uh He came to me a while back and told me about some of the concerns he had about uh, repeated changes in the format, people wanting to sort of override it with like able-bodied sports coverage and whatnot. So keeping a show with a disability name only didn't strike me as terribly productive. I mean, the fact is uh, you have to be willing to be your own advocate in the disabilities world. I mean, if you can't speak to these matters from a firm foundation, then really, you shouldn't be speaking to them at all, in my opinion. I mean, recently, I was reminded of a story I got, uh, I got laughs over at York University once. I was at a disability summit. And I asked about those blind person crossing signs. Why don't they have Braille on them? Why aren't they at a level people could reach? Are they there just to make us feel better as a society? We can say, "Yeah, uh, we did such a great thing." Mm-hmm. My grandfather, God rest his soul, he was no great thinker or great advocate, but he did have a saying: "Don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back." <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to disabilities, really, it is nothing about us without us. I mean, mm-hmm. it is in every factor of life. I mean. You pass down the street, you pass ten people, one of them has some sort of disability, mm-hmm. be it a mental Abased. health concern, depression, yeah. yeah I mean honestly, uh the work I think is so effective because it comes from a place of real life experience. I recently had occasion to recount uh one of the reasons that I feel strongly about it. my childhood bully, not a nice guy by any stretch of the imagination. I used to try and stick magnets to my leg to see if it was real because I walk with a limp. But the fact is, if I interview educators about disabilities education these days, maybe they see that kid struggling on the playground and maybe they go to his aid. And maybe somebody else doesn't go through what I did.
0: I mm-hmm. love that perspective. Because they, they clearly need some support. Otherwise, yeah, they wouldn't we all be do. behaving. Yeah. Yeah, we all do. What is your, what do you like about sharing other people's stories?
1: Well, as a journalist, uh, I love a good story. I love covering what nobody else does. I love sharing the story of a blind water ski jump champion who can out jump all his fully sighted companions. But the fact is, there are so many of these stories that just don't get any sort of mainstream coverage. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I love the fact that I am able to bring these amazing people to the forefront. Even if it's just for a moment, they get their say. They deserve their say. Yeah. Yeah, Big name groups like autism, blindness, deafness. They have a place in the disabilities world too. That doesn't mean that's the entire show.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. I like that. It gives them a chance to be heard. And so many of us just want to actually be heard by someone who's actually listening and maybe can even empathize. Mm -hmm. Um, What about, what would you say makes a good interview? I guess it's just a good story maybe, but are there things that that would be not such a good interview?
1: Yeah. Just my rule always has been, I will not put on the air anything that would actively denigrate the disability community. Oh. And that has only come up twice. First was that example of Mr. Entitlement that I gave you earlier, blaming his disability oh. for everything that's wrong in the world. The other, a doctor who said any woman not pregnant by twenty five should have her eggs frozen. I was oh. I was thinking to myself, I cannot and will not Put that sort of dampener on anybody out there who is who's hopeful that they want to have kids, they want to have a family. I'm not going to put anyone on the air, accurate or not, saying that uh, you have to abide by this rule. Nothing's Uh hard and fast in the disability world. There's always that unaccountable person who's done what no one said they could do.
0: Yeah. What hasn't been done before. Yeah. Is there anything that you can tell us about working in radio that sort of most of us would have no idea about?
1: Yeah. It's my unique, and it's my unique opportunity to annoy thousands of people I've never met before. <laughs> well, so it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on a, on a serious note though, it's uh it's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, You never know who's going to uh, reach out to you in any given week. You never know what the story is going to be. One week, it might be uh, wheelchair fencing. The next week, it might be a rare genetics group. It's the variety, I mean. Yeah. But when it comes to actually being in radio, my best advice, just do what nobody else is doing. And make sure that you're connected to the story. They teach you in journalism school to be dispassionate, not to get involved with your subject. I've never agreed with that rule simply Uh because if you don't care, you're simply reciting a set of facts. A tape recorder can do that. Mm -hmm. Sound like you're reading a phone book. But if you actually feel something for the people, if you make those connections, like Recently, uh, I actually helped out a friend who uh, runs a music studio and uh, was looking for a guitar teacher. I happen to know someone who's quite good with the guitar, a gunshot survivor who uh, actually used music as a form of psychological healing. So I just made an introduction for them, how they're working together.
0: Wow. That's powerful. When you really think about it, that's very powerful and life changing for so many people. And then you just carry on living your life, finding the next thing like that that you can do. In the meantime, they're doing their own thing, uh, all because you've made that that connection. And I think that that's a, uh, I mean, that's a great way to be, oh. generally, just in regular life, disabled or not, whatever it is, you know, do your best to help others.
1: And um, honestly, it, uh, sorry to cut you off there. But- that's okay. It is a matter of caring about people. I mean, it's fine to just get your story, file it, go on to the next. But if you don't check back in six months, you miss all the progress they've made. Say someone has a plan for a a new disabilities uh, residence, for example, and they're starting construction. Yeah, it's a great story at the time. They did the groundbreaking. In six months, how are people enjoying living there? How many tenants do you have? Uh What's the affordability of it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that actually caring bit makes so much difference. I think all, all the way around um, with everything that you're doing, it allows you to have that actual passion. And if you're if you don't really care about what you're doing, I think you're probably not doing the right thing. You should find something that you really care a lot about. What do you? Mm-hmm. When it comes right, to I tried that the once, dis- but there
1: wasn't any call for a professional comedian.
0: Well, you know, that that's always an open space. I think there's lots of folks that are, are stuffing into that space on a regular basis. you certainly oh, made me laugh today. I'm curious to know if you think that there are, and I think you may have answered this uh, to some degree already, but are there topics surrounding the disability community, accessibility community that just aren't being discussed enough in your opinion?
1: Absolutely. Uh, one thing I've done with my course is, uh, I tried to look at the underrepresented aspects of disability life, like philosophical attitudes, relationships of different kinds. I even did an entire chapter on disability portrayals on TV. I look back at some historical examples, and some that are modern, and uh, the case of Anson Mountain, the new Star Trek, how he's playing the role of someone who was made to be disabled to write him out of the show 60 years earlier which is kind of remarkable. They're still doing it the same way after all these decades.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to take your course. Um, Do you think that there are aspects of disability that get too much attention?
1: In some ways, yes. I mean, uh, if you look at big name events, I mean, yes, it's fine to look at the Paralympics, the Special Olympics. They are valid sporting events, for example, but You should look also at the sports being played every night, those teams that are out there just doing their thing. They might not have a lot of commercial sponsors. They might not have all the money in the world. These are still people giving it their heart, giving it their soul. And one thing I did cover a few years ago, uh, actually a lot of years now, but I I was nationally honored for this. Uh, I did a story on the difference between Paralympic athletes versus their able-bodied counterparts, the endorsement deals they got.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's some shocking information in that story.
1: Oh. Well,
0: maybe not so shocking.
1: You want shocking? Uh, Last year, I covered uh, post-pandemic follow-up about immigrant laborers who uh, had COVID, who were so scared of losing their jobs, they did not report it to their employers, potentially Mm potentially. Infecting any number of people. This is from uh, the Toronto Injured Workers group, and uh, well, they just they gave me this incredible story. Something like that, yeah, it would scare the public, but they'd be better for knowing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there a a place where we can find all of these things that you've done? Do you have a website where you've got it posted? Can we find your radio show somewhere online no. that we can listen?
1: Yeah, my show is easy to find. Uh, if you look up the NCRA program exchange and type in handy link, H-A-N-D-I-L-I-N-K, you can uh, find my most recent 84 episodes. There are quite okay. others. But okay. uh, also, if you look up the NCRA disabilities handbook, I was one of the principal authors on that. That's the uh, text I mentioned. As for my course... Uh, Basically, I've been presenting to uh, Canterbury Elder College whenever they need me. And uh, my friend, uh, Jeff Thiessen, Parasport Ontario, is oh, yeah, looking, at making, he's, this, he's he's looking, looking really at making it an online teaching tool as well. But if oh, anybody God wants a copy at any time, I, I don't make a secret of any of my work. I mean, right. It's there to make the disability community a little bit brighter, a little bit... Uh, more informed. I don't do what I do for a uh, great profit, though I have gotten a free trip to Winnipeg in the dead of winter, which is a decision I will regret for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, I do it because you can walk by a hole in the world and you can do nothing. But if the next guy trips and falls in it and you didn't put any sand in to level the playing field, that's on you. Uh Disability is not about an unfair advantage. So many people think it is, but it is about giving an opportunity to succeed with the right tools, connecting the right people to the right world. It's all a matter of connection. Feel free to call me a yutz at any time here.
0: Uh, No, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I just want to talk longer, but I know that we're at the end of our time and, uh, and so much that you have said is so impactful. Uh, And always when I do this, I'm always like, oh, there's a clip. Okay, no, that section right there, that's going to be a good clip for us to post. So there's going to be a lot a lot of good clips with this conversation, Cam. I just want to thank you so much uh, for being here, for sharing everything. I feel like I want to do a follow-up podcast, so maybe we can do one in a few months' time just to see what else you're up to and learn some more. Uh, maybe hear a, a few more stories. Um, but really, just thank you so much for sharing your time and, and your, your experience, your insight, your stories with us. I, I feel really honored and absolutely appreciated.
1: It's my pleasure. And uh, well, for a follow up, I'd say have your people call my people, but your people tell me I don't have any people. So <laughs> you'll have to.
0: <laughs> I mean, I have just a couple people, but they're pretty impactful.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Honest or diplomatic, I don't do both.
0: <laughs> all right well thank you again and with that uh, I want to thank everyone else for joining us here today um, for more information about supplier diversity uh, and inclusion and the work that IWSCC or Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada does uh, please go to uh, uh you can find us on YouTube uh, you listen in on to our podcast on your favorite platforms Um, I'm just going to do a shout out for an event that we did recently, just last week, where we had our, our first national forum for veteran entrepreneurs, uh, it was called Evolve, uh, and you can also find that on our YouTube channel as well. So it was fantastic, a conversation among veteran entrepreneurs and, and, uh, some of the struggles that they have as well as, uh, sharing their, their successes and support for each other. So once again, I want to thank, uh, uh, Pod Supply, I apologize for producing our podcast and doing such a great job with them. Um, Maple Communications for supplying the ASL, uh, which has been sponsored now for the second year in a row by RBC, Royal Bank. And so we're so happy to have them on board as a partner, uh, helping to support IWSCC and and all the work that we do. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next time.
1: Bye for now, folks.